we are really proud about. There's a great innovation partnership we have with uh, Dallas Dart. Um, so they started a microtransit program um, in about 2018, uh, and it was pretty small, just a couple of geographic areas. Um, they've evolved that to be greater than 30 microtransit zones. Okay. Um, and it's the, as part of the design of their service area, um, which is six, 600 square kilometers, so it's a very large service area, um, they actually reduced their fixed route um, 30%, thereby wow. overall reducing the costs um, of their entire program. And what's really cool about their program is that the combination of their fixed route with their light rail and the microtransit zones allows them to serve many more riders in their mm. community. Dallas is kind of suburban, sprawling communities. Um, and so we've been really excited to partner with them um, in these microtransit zones where riders can actually now um, book a ride from you know where they are um, in their community, in their zone, um, and get an Uber to pick them up, drop them off at a train station, and then they can take that train into the city and they can mm. book that seamless ride all through the Dark Go Pass app. So they can pay $3 or what the fare is, um, and they're ticketed all the way through inside the agency's app. Um, we're very excited about that. Uh, it has grown significantly, and I think it's it's really a standard um, that other agencies are looking at uh, very deeply yeah. of how to better serve larger parts of their community in affordable ways. Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcasts invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and future forecasts. In this episode, we'll be discussing the partnership between new mobility and public transportation. How things are moving from being competitor to collaborator. Our today's guest is an amazing leader. She is the global head of Uber Transit. She is responsible for overseeing the deployment and expansion of Uber Transit feature, which allow users to plan and pay for public transportation trip within the Uber app. This includes working with transit agencies and other partners to integrate the service into the app, as well as ensuring that the user experience is seamless and intuitive. Under her leadership, Uber has expanded its transit offering to more cities and has continued to invest in the development of Uber Transit. She has more than 15 years of experience in strategy and technology. Prior to joining Uber, she worked at Deloitte, Walt Disney, and Starbucks. I'm so happy to welcome Jen Shepard, Global Head of Transit at Uber. Now it's time to listen and learn. Hello, Jen. I'm so excited to have you on the show. The reason is both public transit and mobility are close to my heart. Yes, awesome. I am really excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Great. Uh, so why don't we start a little bit more uh, with your background? So can you tell us about uh, your professional background? Because you work in different industry, in media, in consumer product. So I'm curious to know, why did you got attracted to mobility and transit business? Yeah, for sure. Um, a little bit about my background. So I actually studied engineering in undergrad. I just really was attracted to solving hard problems. Mm. Um, and like many peers, uh, got lured into the consulting industry right out of college where I got to sample a bunch of industries, uh, and a bunch of problems, um, really had a great experience. Um, but coming out of consulting, I knew I wanted to work for 
a company and industry that I was passionate about what they were doing. Um, and so went to business school to round out for a business education. Uh, and afterwards, I thought about all the different companies I could work for um, and was thrilled to go work for Disney because of the magic that they yeah. really deliver for families across the world. Um, and I'm from Florida originally. And um, ah, just okay. Disney. Uh, and so went over to finance um, and saw the business from you know, a financial perspective, which is different um, from more of the operations um, engineering type. Uh, and really liked it, um, but uh, it was a little bit, I would say, slower moving, bigger industry um, yeah. than what I was looking for. And I was moving for personal reasons um, for my husband's job. And so my next move, I went and wanted to, to join more of a startup. Um, and so I joined a loose leaf tea Starbuck, um, startup, uh, Tivana. Um, and I was essentially the right hand of the CFO at the time. Um, we were, they were just doing an IPO and I was, you know, in charge of a lot of the future planning. Um, I did a lot of M and a type work for them. We helped acquire a competitor. That was a lot of fun. And then we ultimately sold the company to Starbucks, which is mm. how I moved over to working for Starbucks, which is a really cool, innovative, um, large company. I really liked seeing them from the inside. Um, however, uh, you know, running finance for uh, a small startup um, was very different than working inside the big Starbucks machine. Um, but I did get to pivot over to product uh, and and manage uh, a PL for the first time, which I loved. Mm. I loved uh, managing a PL and being responsible for that ownership. Um, so then after Starbucks, I you know pivoted and did some strategy work for a large home builder and for a baby toy company. Then it was 2017 or so, and Uber reached out to me for a general manager role. Hmm. Um, and I was fascinated, loved the team, loved the tech space, um, the idea of bringing my background together of finance, operations, um, some product type work, um, and and basically, you know, helping to, to start a new industry. So it was Uber Eats at the time. Hmm. And I joined in early 2018 as a GM for the Southeast US. Um, and it was super fun, really fast paced. And, yeah. and um, it was my first taste of mobility. Uh, and I was also pregnant with my second kid when I moved over to Uber. Um, and Uber Eats transformed my life. It was mm. the first time I was able to get delivered something that wasn't pizza and Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I still think I probably order Uber Eats about three or four times a week um, yeah. for, for dinner. Um, and so a lot of things were changing at that time. Uh, we were going through reorgs. Um, I had the opportunity to pivot from Uber Eats over to the micromobility space. So yeah. not, not delivering food, but um, you know people on different modes of bikes and scooters. And so I was a GM for the Southeast US uh, for bikes and scooters. Um, that was initially at the time of the race with Bird and Lime. Um, and then we said, you know, we got to start it. making money. Um, and so it was a fascinating operational problem. Um, it was really, really cool and really, really fun. Uh, and then COVID happened. Mm. Um, and then I um, did some operations work for the Uber Freight competitor Convoy, which was super cool. Another mobility space, um, yeah. applying to a legacy industry. And then um, about a year and a half ago, I got the call to come lead transit. And um, I couldn't say no, just the ability to influence 
um, communities and how people move and influence folks' lives. And I think back, um, I think I told you the story at APTA, but I think back to my own childhood, my mom never had a driver's license and I used to ride uh, the bus in Pinellas County, Florida um, to go to the mall and other places and just a special time that was and the ability for us to get around the you know town. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, that was a year and a half ago and haven't looked back. I love it. I love um, the mission of really helping to reimagine the way people move um, in partnership with public transit. Amazing. I mean, in fact, I lost the count how many industry have worked so far. It's so amazing <laughs> and superb. And and I think what I love is uh, the point you mentioned, how to bring experience and knowledge from different industry. Your experience with operation, with M&A, with finance and and managing the PNL yeah. because then then you saw how the PNL can impact the company and now freight and logistic and Uber Eat and micro mobility and now finally transit. I feel now probably your soul has find its destination. This is the place to be in. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'm ready for some stability for sure. But but that's right. I mean, seeing all the different elements of a business and how they come together and then how leaders make decisions and some of the constraints on them. It's really impactful as folks navigate careers. Yeah. Great. Great. Now, the second question I would ask, like to ask you is, now you work in food delivery space, like you mentioned Uber Eat, and I hope you must be getting some free coupons or free uh, delivery <laughs> delivery options. And then you work with micro mobility, and you mentioned about logistic and now ride hailing business. What commonality you see in all these things? Because ultimately it's about moving things or people. So how do you think all these things work together? Or in future, we will see more integration with everything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, so ultimately it's moving people or moving things people care about, right? Yeah. And people want. Um, the form factors can be different. So, you know, we could be talking a sedan, we could be talking, you know, a large truck, we could be talking a shuttle, um, or a biker scooter. Um, the challenges can be different. Yeah. Right. So like food delivery, is the restaurant going to be ready when the driver arrives? Um, and micromobility, keeping the scooters and bikes charged is not an easy challenge. Um, you know, for ride hailing, can you find the person that you're trying to get? Um, but we at Uber believe there's a lot of synergies. A lot of the problems are similar in terms of driving reliability, um, using algorithms to figure out the tech behind the scenes. Um, and you know, the beauty of it is that earners can, can actually flex how they make money across the different modes. Mm. Um, and we think that's one of the big benefits of making available different earning ways um, to our earners. So they can do food delivery, they can do ride hailing, they can do, you know, when we, when we had micromobility directly, they could do the charging of the actual batteries. Um, and so, so we do think there's a lot of operational benefits um, to bringing these together and some of the tech behind the scenes together. Yeah, I, and I, I fully agree. I really like your line about uh, either moving people or moving the things people care about. And and that's important. I think for city also, it's important not just to make sure people are moving, but logistic and goods also move quickly. And and Uber Eats is now, it's part of life. You can't ignore it. I mean, you need to deliver stuff. You want to have your food. So I'm, I'm a big user of that. In fact, I told you also, I work in Uber when uh, in 2015, when it was Uber 1.0, it was all about hustling. We were, we were trying to bring Uber to new market. 
but you started in Uber 2.0, which is a completely different company. And and I think with the uh, new CEO, they also brought the new mission. And I just want to read the mission statement because it's very impactful, which say that we reimagine the way the world moves for better. So it's not about people. It's not about goods. It's all about how to move things around uh, and and better way. And Uber is doing that in a lot of ways. So I was the one who was advocating about partnership and collaboration with Transit. And that time I was a black sheep. Nobody was listening to it. But now I see things are happening. There is a Uber Transit team. You are leading it. And a lot of interesting work you guys are doing. So can you share how does Uber Transit fit into Uber's overall vision for the future of transportation? How Uber Transit is becoming important within Uber? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a great question. And I might actually start answering your question with a bit of a history lesson as well. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think Uber's changed a lot over the years. Um, starting in 2016, 2017, there were some local ops teams yeah. that realized the benefit of transit partnerships. Um, they realize that the folks that use Uber the most are the ones that don't have the personal cars and also use public transportation. Mm. And that there's a lot of synergies to be had in partnering with public transportation um, and improving you know, our, our ways towards sustainability goals um, and other goals as well. And so they started standing up um, first last mile paratransit type programs. Um, MBTA was one of our first uh, partners. And, you know, there was some success. They were pretty informal partners that local ops teams, you know, managed. Um, and we we didn't promote them significantly. Um, now, then we said, okay, well, there's something here. You know, we do believe in the value of these partnerships. Let's yeah. centralize the team and centralize our e efforts and really invest in it. And I do wonder if we swung the pendulum a little bit too far in the other direction. So mm -hmm. we put this really awesome, smart team on transit and said, go help revolutionize this industry. And they came back to us. Well, this is before I was on transit and, yeah. and basically said, we're going to invest big. We are mm -hmm. going to invest in software. We're going to become the SAP of the transit industry. Um, we're going to also invest in um, improving the rider experience. And we're going to create, you know, this mega mass app where riders are going to be able to access all transportation options directly through Uber. Um, and by the way, we'll also, you know, support transit agencies through our rides, which we do really well. And we had this, you know, bold plan, um, which was really well-intentioned. Mm. I think um, then it was also at the time of COVID, we even acquired to help this plan that we developed, we acquired RouteMatch um, yeah. in 2020 um, to, to really have um, a head start in the software space to support these agencies. Um, COVID happened. It totally transformed our business. Our priorities changed significantly. Um, and we said, you know what? Like maybe let's focus on our core and do what we do best. Um, and at the same time, let's solve the problems that the agencies have today. So mm. right now, you know, they have, um, uh, they're trying to improve uh, their paratransit service. They're trying to improve ridership on public transit. Let's actually help them solve these problems today instead of um, going big on these solutions that, you know, may take a decade um, to really develop in collaboration with these agencies. So as part of that, um, I came on 
uh, you know, a year and a half ago and helped to synthesize um, that plan and the vision within Uber. Um, yeah. we, we ended up, you know, divesting software space uh, and doubling down on our rides business. And so what this means um, is that we are partnering with software players. So today we have mm. a partnership with Trapeze, with Spare, um, many others in the works. We want to make our rides available for agencies, however, whenever they want them. And mm. um, there's so many different use cases that they can use them with. So microtransit, paratransit, first, last mile, late nights, outage. Um, you know, we're dedicated to being there and what we do best for these agencies. And so we're very, very committed to the transit space. Um, but it took us a while to figure it out. Um, honestly, like we want to serve the agencies the way they want us to be there. And we've got this great value proposition with reliability, affordability um, with our rides. Um, and, you know, we think we can make a transformational impact there first. And then what's next would love to co-create that with them. Like I see a space where we can, you know, jointly come together and make rides more affordable and serve more of the city, more in the yeah. shared rides format together. Um, but right now, I think uh, we're in the stage of just building trust and helping them solve their problems today. Well, that, that's quite interesting. And thanks for sharing that history, because I think that's very important to have a centralized strategy rather than working in different region or different offices yeah. in different way of collaboration. And I think what I like and, and today's result uh, from Uber is astonishing. It's it's yeah. amazing to see how Uber has uh, performed in this quarter. And, and, and the reason for that is that coming back to your core, rather than competing with everything and becoming a SAP for public transit, it's a tough nut to crack. Rather than competing with the, so many different small players, let's just focus on your core and which Uber is doing right is. Uh, correct is providing the ride at the right time at right place whenever people need it. So so bringing that synergy is important. No, great. And and that's what when you open a Uber Transit page now, the first mm -hmm. thing you read is let's make transportation, public transportation, most inclusive way to ride. Yeah. So would love to know some key example with the city and agency, like you mentioned about how Uber is helping city with paratransit, how Uber is helping city with late night trips and somewhere they cannot fulfill the capacity. Can you give some real example and some of the big success case? Like you started with MBTA, but I know now you're working with so many transit agencies around the world. Can you give some specific example how it's working out? Yeah, definitely. So we have partnerships with over 60 transit agencies globally, um, and we're, we're growing fast. Um, I will give you four quick examples with unique use cases. Yeah. So um, one example that we're really proud about, there's a great innovation partnership we have with uh, Dallas Dart. Mm. Um, so they started a microtransit program um, in about 2018. Uh, and it was pretty small, just a couple of geographic areas. Um, they've evolved that to be greater than 30 microtransit zones. Okay. Um, and it's the, as part of the design of their service area, um, which is six, 600 square kilometers. So it's a very large service area. Um, they actually reduce their fixed route, um, 30%, thereby wow. overall reducing the costs, um, of their entire program. And what's really cool about their program is that the combination of their fixed route, with their light rail and the microtransit zones allows them to serve many more riders in their mm. communities. For Dallas is kind of suburban, sprawling communities. 
Um, and so we've been really excited to partner with them um, in these microtransit zones where riders can actually now um, book a ride from you know where they are um, in their community in their zone um, and get an Uber to pick them up, drop them off at a train station, and then they can take that train into the city and they can mm. book that seamless ride all through the Dark Go Pass app. So they can pay $3 or what the fare is, um, and they're ticketed all the way through inside the agency's app. Um, we're very excited about that. Uh, it has grown significantly. And I think it's it's really a standard um, that other agencies are looking at uh, very deeply yeah. of how to better serve larger parts of their community in affordable ways. Um, second example, uh, DC, Washington, DC, Walmart. Yeah. Um, we have a really awesome paratransit partnership with them, their Ability Rides program. Uh, it's their, their program actually started in 2017 with a couple taxi players. Um, we were introduced a couple years later, and today we actually do 10% of their program volume, about 800 Ability Rides a day over a very large area, 1,500 square miles. Um, we are able to do these rides um, with incredible reliability uh, on demand, serving you know many of their riders um, who don't need wheelchair accessible vehicles. Um, they yeah. get the dedicated vehicles as part of their program, um, and we're able to do it at prices um, that are better than other you know uh, non dedicated providers or dedicated providers in their program. Um, and so what they have built, which is super cool, um, to comply with the rider's choice exception is they have riders opt in to non-dedicated providers, and then they built their own visual basic um, application um, to randomly assign the rides uh, that qualify to go to Uber the night before. And they push them mm. to us the night before, um, and we're able to service them the next day. Um, and mm. many agencies in the paratransit program space have an issue with no-shows, like 10, 15% yeah. no-shows. And so the, the product that we have for um, WMATA is actually called flexible rides, where the rider um, has the ability to push a button and get a ride um, on their phone. Um, and it improves reliability significantly. If you think about going to the doctor's appointment, you don't know exactly when you're going to want to come home. Um, and so instead of having that preset time and a no-show, um, it's a flexible ride where the rider just chooses when they want to come and the Uber yeah. picks them up. And so it's it's an awesome, awesome um, program. And it's one that we are definitely expanding uh, with other agencies in the US and Canada. Yeah. Um, and then third example, um, fixed route alternatives. So some cities um, are small and some towns just don't have budgets for fixed route programs, yeah. have the density, the population for it. Um, and so we're seeing more and more a trend of these smaller cities and towns saying they want innovative solutions that meet their budgets. And Innisfil is one of our oldest partnerships. Um, we stood up in 2017, where Innisfil is um, right outside the, the city of Toronto, um, subsidizes rides for its entire population. A lot of them are getting to the train station to help them get into the city, but it could be anywhere around the town. Um, and uh, they are thrilled with it. It's a, it's a great way to provide 24-7 on-demand mm. transportation options um, in, instead of fixed route. And the town believes you know they're saving millions of dollars a year. Um, and so we're seeing more and more demand of that. And we're thrilled to partner with cities in that capacity. 
And then lastly, uh, Brightline Trains. So we are also really excited about partnering with Rail. Um, we stood up a program uh, recently with Brightline on helping folks get to and from the train stations without using their car and promoting yeah. actually using these trains and reducing personal car ownership. Um, and Brightline's very innovative partner. Um, we've actually or we've integrated into their app. So now um, like Brightline Plus customers, um, premium customers are able to get free Uber rides to and from the train station within five miles through their own app. Um, and, you know, we're really excited about following them on on their grand expansions as they uh, continue to expand in Florida and other parts of uh, the country. Yeah. And also, I think it's they are expanding in Florida. So that's something close to your heart. No, but these are these are amazing use cases, like you mentioned, working uh, as partner for microtransit, uh, paratransit, fixed route service. I know the case of Innsville and uh, I get a chance to connect with some of the city member who are managing the Uber contract. And they 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 actually shared the story. How did they start it? Because they had an option to operate three buses, which were costing them a lot of money at the same time covering nothing. And they decided to to work with Uber and provide ride sharing. Not only it created rides for people, but also create employment because the drivers are from the local ecosystem. So they felt like it's money is yeah. going from one partner to another partner. It's like one community member to another community member. So they felt happy about it because it, that's a way you build the local ecosystem and people know the driver. They it's small locality, so they know the driver and and the train case, like you mentioned. I think that's very important. If you really want to bring people to to transit, you need to make it much easier for this first mile and last mile case, like you mentioned with Brightline. You don't need to pay for extra taxi ride. It's covered in your train cost. So you don't need to think about twice. You know, if you're getting part of your package, it's like buffet. So you know, if you will always eat the dessert, it's part of the buffet. Otherwise you will skip it. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the key with Im improving transit usage, right? Is uh, how do we make it easier for folks to ride? Like, how do we help them get there? How do we make it more affordable continuing to drive down costs? I mean, I think there's so much we can do and um, Uber's ability to help uh, these agencies and these companies is, is just really great. Yeah, I agree with you. And in fact, uh, that's that's the thing. When I started with Uber, there was a lot of perception about uh, that ride hailing services are a big competition to public transit. And a lot of agencies have a very negative viewpoint. Even when you are in the room and you say you're from Uber, a lot of people just turn around and look at you because they feel like you're trying to take away their business. But I think the perception is changing now. It's like you mentioned from competition uh, or competitor, it becoming like a collaborator. And you mentioned so many economic cases that how, and you are a finance person, like you mentioned for you, managing PNL is always important. So what are the economic cases for integrating ride hailing services and new mode in public transit? And other important point is how Uber Transit helped the city to improve the network and share data with them. Like, do you guys provide data to the transit agency so that they can improve their ride? Like you mentioned in Dart, now they, are, they have reduced 30% of their fixed route. At the same time, their service availability has increased. So how, how that magic is happening? Yes, yes, cool. Um, all right, I'll take your first question first, and then I'll talk a little bit more about data. Um, the economics of partnership. Uh, and so I would say partnership provides a lot of benefits, um, one of which I'll take paratransit first. Um, 
So I'm most excited about improving the lives of paratransit riders. So what we see when we launch a paratransit on-demand program is that paratransit riders actually increase their mobility significantly, two, hmm. three, four times the amount than when they have to schedule it in advance. Yeah. Um, and we find that, you know, they feel more normal. They're able to go to a social event without having to plan it two days in advance and, and wait for these hour, you know, long windows. Um, and so that's what we're super excited about. But then if you want to talk about economics, these on-demand trips that we're able to provide to paratransit riders, we can do these trips for easily half the cost of dedicated programs. Now we can't take 100% of paratransit riders. There needs to be a, a really good qualification of who can actually ride an Uber, which today is curb to curb, um, mostly sedans. Yeah. Um, but we do bring partners on into our programs to help serve other parts of the paratransit population. Um, and so what we're able to do is um, give paratransit riders these on-demand options, improve their lives, and serve them more within the same budget of the agency. Um, and so I think it's a win-win. Um, agencies are more and more standing up these on-demand uh, pilot programs. Some of them are, are longer standing. Um, and it's, it's one that we are so thrilled about, the impact we can make. On the microtransit side of the world, um, it is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, because, you know, uh, doing fixed route redesigns is not an easy topic. Oh, yeah. Um, and data is is so key into figuring out how to optimize, you know, any fixed route microtransit type program. Um, but there's just, there's a lot of stakeholders, uh, in that. And so what we try and do, um, is initially we help support, uh, with like outage vouchers. So, you know, train goes down, um, agencies want to keep service running uh, and we can be there to, to help for the riders who need it. Um, we also help doing, you know, late night. There's a lot mm. of times where fixed route just doesn't make sense late night or folks don't want to work on fixed route late night and we can easily serve, you know, the lower demand or transit deserts, right? And so for yeah. that, the economics are pretty easy. Um, so, but then if you start really diving deep, um, you find that there are some fixed route lines that are just not that efficient. Um, and they can they can cost $100 per trip or more. Mm. Um, and so that's when we start our deeper partnerships with agencies. And, you know, we, we, we don't push them on any timeline. It's on their timeline that makes sense. But if they do venture into innovation in that way, they can realize a significant savings. Um, and reapply that to serving more customers in their yeah. in their area. Um, on data, so absolutely important to um, to us. Uh, we regularly share data with cities and agencies. Um, there was one example that just came across my desk uh, with the okay. SFSA. Um, they were trying to understand if a road closure in Golden Gate Park would lead to congestion in the adjacent neighborhoods. So we provided them the data to help answer that question. The answer was no. And then the voters with that armed with that data voted to keep it closed um, to car traffic permanently. 
And so that is one example. We also um, routinely share data with agencies across their programs. It's necessary. They have to report on their programs for the FTA with, for funding. And then they also really need the data to help optimize their programs. Like oh, how yeah. are they ever going to continue to you know, innovate on these different programs and serve more people and um, look at efficiency if they don't have the data? So you know, we're very passionate about giving the data that they need um, in, in aggregated ways to make those decisions. Well, that's amazing. Like you mentioned, 50% cost reduction, that's huge because it means you can serve two passengers now with the same cost or same budget. And I think also one of the point uh, which I want to emphasize is there is not much supply available. Like there is a shortage of driver. So in paratransit, you don't have so many vehicles to serve uh, the customer requirement and demand. So with Uber partnership, you can do much easier. And like you said, on demand, you don't need to think about two days advance or week in advance. Whenever you need it, just press the button and, and the vehicle. So increase the mobility at the less cost. So I think it's win-win for everybody. And and the data is very important. I think it will play a, a big role to optimize the service and improve the customer experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we are we are so thrilled, uh, honestly. I mean, we feel like the goals of public transit and, and our goals are really, really aligned. And, you know, we want folks to not need that second car or not even need the first at some point. Um, and, you know, help on sustainability, reducing congestion, making cities more livable. Um, and so we are thrilled that we have such a strong value proposition for transit agencies and cities. Yeah, no, it's a big mission. Like you said, as an engineer, you want to solve big problem. So mm -hmm. that, that's a huge problem to solve, the climate change and the sustainability and livable city. Now, yeah. you have strong experience in technology and customer experience. Like you mentioned, you work in different sector industry. And now you're working with different transit agencies around the world. You mentioned to me when we met uh, last week that you are on a global tour in coming days. So you will be visiting many cities. What kind of gap you are seeing in transit space? How do you see technology playing a role in the future of public transit? Like why technology is so important for public transit? Sure. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting time in, in transit. And I would say um, it's interesting for different reasons across different regions, different reasons for different regions. Um, so, you know, in the U.S., easy example here, the U.S. Yeah. Uh, public transit very much built for um, cars and yeah. very much built for pre-pandemic. So commute patterns are changing. Um, and, and it's challenging. Like, uh, I think agencies are, are thinking about things that seriously, that they haven't thought about before. Zero fares is like one of the hottest topics right now to boost. Oh, yeah. ridership. <laughs> um, and they need ridership for their funding. The whole system, you know, is, is built around that. Um, and so I think they will likely innovate in new ways faster in the next few years than they have in the past, which yeah. is really exciting, especially as our partnership prospects in the U S. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a big push towards electrification, um, which we are extremely excited to support um, for U.S., Canada and um, Europe. We've come out with a, a 2030 goal of being 100 um, percent electric uh, at that time. So um, in Europe, we are seeing um, definitely the, con the continued theme of sustainability. Yeah. Um, and the goals towards reducing uh, car ownership. And they've taken it and they continue to take it um, in a leading way towards uh, technology and mass apps. They want to make it easy for riders not to have that car 
um, yeah. and through integrated technology solutions. Um, and so that's that's really cool to watch and to see how we could potentially support in some way. Um, and then, yeah, the Middle East is probably one of the coolest where, uh, you know, examples, right, in like Dubai or Riyadh, where they're laying down like huge brand new transit infrastructure to attract business and um, tourism. And um, it's just amazing to see it happen so fast from scratch. Um, and so, yeah, we would love to um, partner with them. And I think there's a, some cool ideas that we have um, in that space as well. Um, and so... So how does technology help? I mean, it's it's a variety of ways. Um, on the rider side, uh, it's really about how do you surface the best, most affordable options to help the riders, you know, meet their mobility goals, yeah. right? And so, so they don't need that second car or that first car. And how do you give them confidence that the that their mobility options will actually be there when they need it most? Because that's what yeah. we find. If the reliability is not there, then they always default to needing that personal car. Um, and that's something that we are really, really focused on, reliability and affordability. So once you can get affordability down and reliability up, you get the confidence from these riders and we start actually seeing folks um, move away from personal car ownership. So that's what we're very passionate about. Um, and then on the agency side, uh, I, I think it's about two things. One, it's about serving folks who've never really been served before because maybe it wasn't economically feasible to do. So certain zip codes, time of day, um, the paratransit on-demand service. And so that's, you know, we talked about before, but that's where I think like Uber can help today in a major, major way that we're excited about. The second way I, I view technology in the agency world is um, having an implemented smart integrated software kind of like what uber penciled out you know years ago yeah. um which would then combine dedicated non-dedicated microtransit paratransit fixed route um that optimizes essentially the best trip um with the best i mean so the the rider with the best trip best eta lowest cost options um and then also the communication with the riders isn't amazing yet, right? Um, and so giving that communication through technology, whether it's an agency app or some other ways, if there's any issues, what type yeah. of vehicle will be picking them up, where they need to be, different mapping softwares. I think there's a lot to be done with that communication experience. Um, but right now there's so many different software platforms that agencies use and having them talk to each other and actually become more efficient uh, across the different modes and different programs that are different funding. So there's lots of challenges with that. Um, but that would be a really cool leapfrog. I think that technology could help with the industry. So very challenging, lots of stakeholders, lots of different customers. But I yeah. think like over years, many years, we'll get there. <laughs> no, I, I think we are already getting there because uh, if you see, and, and you rightly mentioned, the pandemic has changed a lot of things. Uh, the commuting pattern has changed. Uh, we were in Minneapolis last week and we saw downtowns were empty. People are not coming to office. So you can't just re think the way it was working. And and I like your point about the different reason for different regions. So that's very important to understand the local geographic. Like in, in US, we are talking about free, fair or no fair kind of a mode. In Europe, we saw that Germany launched a nationwide pass for 49 euro, which is also make it more affordable, but at the same time promoting transit. 
so there is this movement going on how to how to move people out of car and put them into transit but the most important thing what you mentioned with technology is reliability and communication so if you don't provide communication to people people will never come back if i don't know when is the next bus coming or or when i can get the next vehicle people will never come back so so thanks for sharing that and like you said we are moving there we are many year we will reach there so i would like to know what are the new product or development uh, uber is planning because you said there is a 360 degree shift now you started with the big grand vision saf for public transit mass app saas application and then covid hit the plan change uh, and i i'm i'm assuming now uber is not looking to create a mass app or you are still considering but what are the new thing you are looking to build in future in next 5 to 10 year yeah yeah um yeah it's a good question so i mean at uber uh generally for a commercial business you know we're very interested in innovating new ways to get folks from a to b So yeah. Uh, yeah some some folks look at this and say you have so many different options you know you're becoming a mass app um we are really focused on helping to engage both the riders and the earners the different platforms on our platform um uh with uh, you know with a value proposition that makes sense so and we're we're ultimately engaged in doing that and helping our cities and our societies and creating these more livable cities Um but what what we realized uh is that we don't have to own all of those different modes. Mm. We can we can use partnerships. So micro mobility is a great example where we owned it for a while um and now we partner with a lot of the leading players. It has a real purpose serving short trips in really fun ways, affordable. Um and with transit um we we have integrated journey planning uh, across more than about 50 cities globally to help folks understand how to use you know buses and trains and other transit modes um however i would actually say um transit is probably ahead of us on ticketing tech yeah um and so we have we 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 try to integrate things into our platform that makes sense that have a real value proposition that we have that Uber can actually deliver magic to um yeah. and the open payments platform that a lot of um agencies are adopting like New York and London um is is quite magical um with being able to just tap your credit card or yeah. um your card through your Apple wallet or Google wallet um and just calculates the exact right price for you after a period of time um and so so right now um i'm just i'm watching that space i what we're not we're not going in um as deep um because it, it, there's a lot of really cool tech that's happening there um that i'm not sure you know how uber will play um in the mm. future and so what we are really excited about though are those tnc partnerships with the agencies that i mentioned before um and you know solving the agencies problems that they have today like i'd argue some of their ticketing problems you know can be really well solved with a lot of the open payment tech um and uh we are also on a mission to continue to drive our costs down hmm. and so we're experimenting with different types of high capacity vehicles across the globe which is really exciting um different variations of that tech and of the operations um to improve reliability and keep costs down very much shared ride formats um and so i do see a world in the future where we can combine some of that tech and operations um with agencies when they want it 
Yeah, no, these are these are great points. And like you mentioned about open loop ticketing, that's that's actually, if you see Visa, Mastercard, Discover, MX, like these companies are now have a dedicated transit team. So we can we can see like Google Pay has a transit transit team now so it showed that there is a lot of interest uh, to work with transit and make it easier for people to pay and i use everywhere now this open loop payment card i use my credit card to pay for transit in london in brussels in new york in washington so it's it's very easy to pay the other important thing you you mentioned is uh, mission to drive down the cost and i think the biggest way to do that is implement the autonomous mobility or autonomous vehicle. In your background also, you have bus with the autonomous kind of a van. Uber used to have its own autonomous technical team, but uh, now you're working more with external partner. Like you said, focus on your core, leave the uh, rest of the technology for other partner to do, and then Uber delivered the ride. How do you see autonomous mobility evolving? And my biggest question will be because in, in public transit space, when I talk to people about autonomous mobility, they have a mixed feeling. Some people are worried. Some people are excited because some people feel it can make the rides more cheaper and more accessible, like in the nighttime or in the suburb area. But some people are worried because they feel probably in future there is no need for public transit because everybody can use autonomous mobility. A lot of agencies are facing driver shortage also. So it's it's a mixed feeling like happy and sad at the same time how do you see it will be for public transit or overall mobility autonomous mobility will play a role and also for uber transit team how how are you looking at it mm -hmm. yeah it's a great question it's one that lots of folks at uber are thinking deeply about often um so I think we're excited about autonomous uh we don't think it's going to change mobility overnight but it will change mobility and become increasingly important over time. Um, so as you mentioned, Uber um, is now partnering. We're not building our own. We're partnering with different AVs. Um, we want to be the, the top marketplace for AVs to bring their supply. And why we think um, that's really important is because the AVs today can't do all trips. Right. Yep. And so it's a world in which um, different mobility needs are going to be met with hybrid trips. You might take an AV for a short two mile straight trip and then have that connect to a transit station or to a different type of a vehicle. Um, and so we also can provide, you know, different AV innovation opportunities across mobility, delivery and freight across one mm -hmm. marketplace. So we're very excited about that. Um, We've launched a couple pilots already, um, LA and Vegas, Serve Robotics, uh, Motional. I mean, we we are really doubling down on trying to um, partner with these AVs and help them succeed. Um, and we do see a future that that helps reduce costs and reduce rider costs. Now on your question on how public transit agencies should be thinking about this, um, I don't have the crystal ball. Um, I would say the way I think about it is at the end of the day, the goal of public transit is to improve affordable mobility, yeah. right? Uh, they want to improve lives by helping folks increase mobility, helping them live their lives, get to jobs, get to grocery stores, get to healthcare, and they can do that better with affordable options. They also, you know, if you think about reducing congestion and pollution, a personal car ownership, and so um, I think there's a lot of potential 
for autonomous to really help their goal. Now, the new tech will pose many new questions to the transit agency. Yeah. Um, that I'm sure I haven't even thought all about. But like, I just think about fixed route buses. We're in, investing in huge fleets of electric buses right now. Is that really the right form factor in the future of autonomous? Like, should we have different form factors um, to be able to suit more needs when the entire cost equation changes? Um, I, I think, how do we, like you mentioned the driver shortage, which is a great one, um, but like, how do we think about what roles of transit jobs are going to change in the mm. future? how to work with labor unions when labor unions are applicable on those changes and getting them skilled up in maybe more tech type spaces. Um, I think there's so much change on the horizon here. It can be very, um, very overwhelming for public yeah, transit. Yeah. To think about. Um, I will say this though. Um, my commitment is that as we bring on new innovations and new supply at Uber, it could be smarter shared rides, cheaper shared rides, electric vehicles, autonomous. I really want to make available that those innovations and that supply to our transit agency partners who, who want it. Um, and so I plan to work very closely with them. Yeah. <clears throat> and so to the extent that we launch autonomous in three or four or five years, I don't know when, but mass across one of the cities, I want to work with the transit agency in that city to take advantage of that innovation and those lower costs to help serve the larger population. And so I think that's the beauty of the transit team inside Uber is that we're really trying to leverage our core and yeah. autonomous will be a part of our core. Um, and so I think that we can deepen our public transit relationships with autonomous. I really love your honesty, I would say, because you're not like some people who say, oh, don't worry, nothing will change. But I think what you mentioned is very important. And that's what I tell agencies is you need to think about, you need to prepare for the worst case scenario. Because if you feel nothing will change, that's a, that's not a right uh, strategy. You need to think about, like you mentioned, do I need uh, these many investment in these kind of vehicle or probably I need a uh, different type of vehicle or do I need to start experimenting and piloting now? And at least looking for these technology, can I save my cause and, and working with the union? Because if you are signing a contract for long term, there should be some flexibility to make changes. Like in in, uh, in Europe, some of the city, when they introduce uh, automated train uh, system, they still need to put driver there. I mean, I, I don't want to name, but in some city in Europe, you still have a driver sitting in the engine compartment doing nothing because it's an automated train working itself. But because of labor contract, you can't remove it. So so the question you ask is very valid. And I love your commitment, which is uh, promoting transit and supporting them uh, no matter what happens. So bringing innovation and and making them aware. And I think that's, that's the reason I started this whole conversation is because I want to tell them to think critically what's going to happen. And and world will change in next five to 10 years, the way we are, we are changing. Great. So now you're leading the Uber global transit team. And uh, I think you have more than 20 people uh, in your team or more. Uh, and you are talking to different public transit agencies around the world. So can you share how Uber transit is expanding globally? Because I know you're doing a lot of work in North America, but at the same time, your role is to expand Uber transit globally. 
And what type of what type of similarity and differences you see between transit agencies in North America and out south? Like you mentioned, there are differences between US and and Europe and Middle East. But uh, for Uber Transit, particularly, what kind of uh, thing you are observing with different transit agencies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, so the, we're very dedicated to transit. Um, our team has changed a lot as our goals and. Um, I would say our planning and resources have changed. Um, we've got about 20 full-time dedicated. Uh, we've got probably, an, we're a very matrixed organization. So we probably have about another 30 who support in a variety of capacities, could be product or engineer, customer support. Um, we currently have relationships uh, with transit agencies in the US, Canada, and Australia. Hmm. Um, we are very much uh, trying to expand and we expect to launch a fir our first couple in Europe and the Middle East this year. Okay. Um, we just, you know, less than a year ago, hired our first partnerships lead in, in Europe. Um, and my plan is to expand that team as we're getting more traction. Um, but, but right now we are primarily focused on North America and expanding into Europe and the Middle East. We do have, um, our eye on some other innovations that are happening globally. Um, but we're also trying to, um, not bite off too much, like learning mm -hmm. a little bit from the past and really, uh, just trying to focus on what we do really well. And when we stand up these programs, some of them are very complex, um, have a pretty high quality bar and making sure our reliability and service is strong. So um, what does this mean? So in, in North America, I think I described some of the programs that we did, heavy kind of paratransit um, and some microtransit type work. Um, in Europe, we're seeing a lot of interest for, um, for first last mile uh, to help promote public transit. Yeah. Um, we are seeing different flavors of that. I mentioned before, they're really investing in some mass apps. And so to the extent that it is a mass app that promotes public transit, where Uber can help folks really get to and from the stations or serve folks in ways that transit can't, um, we, we love to integrate um, into these types of mass apps, especially when the transit agencies are helping to make the rides affordable for the yeah. riders. So that, that'll boost their ridership, which is our mutual goals. Um, we tend to shy away from uh, mass app integrations if it's just an aggregation of all the different modes in that city. Um, but when it's a true partnership with the agency, uh, that's that's when we love to do that. So we're, we're starting right. to see more demand um, for that in, in Europe. Um, and then I mentioned before in the Middle East, um, we, I mean, it's such a cool opportunity uh, to, to help create ridership from ground zero, uh, yeah. essentially. And so we're definitely talking to them about creative ways that we can help promote transit uh, ridership, um, including, you know, initially just helping folks get to these stations and back home. Um, and so that's where our focus is now. We are closely watching some of the innovations in LATAM and India. I, I think they're really leading the way in a lot of ways around costs um, and, and having low cost rides. Oh, yeah. um, and so and so we, we don't have uh, formal transit partnerships on my team with them today, um, but it's something that we're watching quite closely. Great. I mean, those two are big market after, in fact, India 
now the most populous country in the world 20% of population live in one country and then china it's it's a huge market but uh, but that's great i mean uh, like you mentioned the first and last mile piece will remain the core and in europe uh, there are a lot of opportunity in that space because the public transit is very good but how to improve the access and and in fact i tell people that why micro mobility is more successful in europe than than in north america because it's actually integrated with public transit so micro mobility the e scooters uh, the transit agencies integrated with their own overall system rather than you have your e scooter on the side you have your transit on the side and you have your car it will never work you have to bring everything together thank you thank you for sharing that uh, jen and this is my last question and it's uh, it's basically about uh, we saw the uber result uh, and currently uber revenue is split between mobility delivery and freight freight is emerging as a big area uh but how do you see uber transit will shape up in next 5 to 10 year because like you mentioned you are expanding your team you want to bring new product and all i would say what is your vision to see uber transit in next 5 to 10 year it will be another a big revenue contributor how does it it pan out yeah uh it's a cool question um so right now uh transit is a strategic growth bet um inside our mobility vertical yeah I think that's the right spot um, at this time and probably for the next five years. Uh, we are very much aligned towards leveraging the mobility core product to helping these transit agencies in, in new, you know, cool use cases. Um, my goal, though, is that we continue to drive innovation with these agencies on our low cost offerings, which is also a shared goal with mobility. Um, yeah. But I would love it if in a couple of years, I went to the head of our mobility business and told him that we had a massive partnership with a city where we're able to, you know, offer dollar shared rides. We have different vehicle form factors that are optimized based on, you know, where the riders are going. Um, great reliability. We're available in the agencies app and in our app. Um, and so, and we're able to really develop and improve upon that everyday use case, making it easier for folks to, you know, get around the city. And so I, I would love it if we could do that. Um, and some folks might say, well, are you just cannibalizing Uber rides? We, we don't think so. People aren't using, some people are, most people aren't using Uber multiple times a day, every single day, right? Yeah. And so we wanna deepen our agency partnerships to really innovate together, to make that everyday use case, those dollar rides, using tech and different vehicle for formats to make it happen. And so that's kind of the path that like I would love to get to. Um, I think we're starting in a great place, you know, with TNC partnerships and building trust with the agencies on the problems that they have today. Um, but I think we'll probably stay in the mobility business to be my guess. That's great. No, I think, I think you have a great reason. And, and I, I agree with you, that will be a, a major project in a big city when you work with multiple type of different type of vehicle and provide different type of ride and different uh, hours and different community. It'll be amazing to see. And, and like I said, the new mobility and public transit is core to my heart. So I see more and more they should work together. Uh, thank you so much, Jen. I mean, I really enjoyed our conversation and really love uh, the your honest feedback on different topic and some of the point you raised and some of the example you shared. I mean, those are a great example about microtransit, paratransit, first and last mile connectivity. It's, it's great to see how Uber is shaping up. Now, to end this podcast, we have uh, this rapid fire question round. It's more about to know personally, what do you think and what's your personal side? Uh, so if you're ready, I'll I'll start with that. All right, let's do it. 
you know generally i tell people my first question is difficult for them actually it's difficult for me because you have done so much in in short span but if you had a choice what other profession you would have selected yeah it's um really interesting i mean i think uh my questions and curiosities now are very different than they were back when i was in college i probably would have gone into science to like science. um yeah, further in humanity, uh, maybe even astrobiology, like figuring out the origins of life. And I, I think it, it's it's so cool um, the work that that's being done. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that's probably what I would have done. Yeah, it's fascinating, and and the way space tech is emerging, it's it's becoming more and more important to understand how the origin of life happened and why it happened and why Earth, why not any other planet. So it's yeah. cool. Yes, no. yes. There's so many questions that we have no clue um, yeah. about. And it's just, yeah, it's astounding. Very true, very true. Now, which is your favorite city in the world and why? Um, yeah, that's a cool question. It's a hard question. Um, I I think it's probably Madrid. Um, Madrid? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it could be because I had some awesome experiences there but like the the culture the food I mean I love the manchego cheese and um it's just yeah the nightlife the city the beautiful architecture I mean the siestas uh, um it's just really really fun place uh that you know I think about sometimes great in fact the UITP Public Transit Summit is in Barcelona next month and I'll, I'll be going to Madrid as well. So I'll, I'll remember these points and, and share the feedback with you. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, my third question is, what one thing do you wish you should have learned early? Yeah, um, for me, it's the confidence in focusing and harnessing your strengths and not dwelling on your weaknesses. Mm. And so... I think early on, I poured a lot of energy into focusing on feedback to improve the things I wasn't good enough at. And mm. I just ignored the things that I was really good at um, because I was already good at. It. Um, and, you know, what I've realized is that like your strengths are really your superpower uh, and we should really be harnessing those strengths and being okay that we're not good at everything, which is really hard to do professionally, personally. Like it's very hard to accept the fact that it's okay if you're not great at everything. And so that's something I've, I've come to terms with as I've gotten a little older. That's an amazing point. I really love that point. In fact, I'm thinking like Superman should not be a Spider-Man. So let Spider-Man to be a Spider-Man and Superman should be a Superman. So harnessing yeah. your strength is important rather than keep improving on, on all your weakness. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Now, my next question is what is the, painful lesson you have went through in your professional career and I'm pretty sure like you have such a long career with different companies you must have a lot of these experience but now you feel good about it now you feel like okay that's happened it was very good for my career or my life yeah yeah um early on in my career I I was ideal and I just focused on results I'm also very competitive as well um, and so I just thought, Hey, if I put my head down and I was in consulting, if I get great results and great reviews from the client, I am going to, you know, achieve and win, you know, whatever you win early on in your career. Um, I got feedback that, Hey, I, I hadn't built internal advocates. Uh, there was mm -hmm. a big promotion that was happening and I 
totally got passed up on it because I didn't spend the time on the relationships. And in my mind, it just like, why would I, right? I'm just focused on my client and, and the goals for my client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've realized how important building internal advocates really yeah. is. Um, and I try and keep it top of mind um, mm. as well. While I'm also trying to sprint towards, you know, good outcomes um, on projects that we work on, uh, but building those relationships is so important. Um, and so that's that's a lesson that I've learned. Well, that's a great lesson. I mean, I feel like every professional or even every founder or every, every person who is working or doing something, they should learn from this, that you need to build your personal advocate, like people can vouch for it and people can support you in your back. So that's very important. And and that can only happen when you have some personal relationship with them rather than just focusing on work and never talking to them, never stopping by and say, hey, what's going on? How you can help each other? Great. Thank you so much. That's a, that's an amazing lesson. Now, this is my last question. If you can change one thing in life, what would it be? That's a good one. Um... I, so I've got a couple kids and we talk a lot about fantasy and imagination. Um, I think I would develop a time travel machine um, and take my family into the future uh, to observe, you know, what do these cities look like? How are people living? How's their quality of life gotten so much better? You know, how do people get around the cities? Like, uh, I think that would be the coolest thing. The time travel. I, I, I mean, if you find out, let me know also. I would love to do and join <laughs> in that journey. It's always fascinating not to know the future, but just go and have a glimpse of how does it look like. Yes. Maybe I'll I'll tell my leadership at Uber, we should put that on our 2040 vision to create the the time travel machine. The time tra- travel. <laughs> Book a Uber and take you 20 years ahead and, yeah. and bring you back also. So Uber will take you and bring you back. So don't worry. You will get a ride back. No, thank yeah. you so much, Jen. I really enjoyed our conversation. Like I said, it's it's really fascinating to see how Uber Transit is shaping up, how you are helping public transit and, and helping people to move around uh, in a sustainable, affordable and, and reliable manner, which is which is amazing and reducing the dependence on car. I think that was the whole promise of Uber, uh, that people should not own car and people should move around freely whenever, wherever they want. Exactly. I, I I appreciate it. I've loved, you know, this chat as well. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to, to chat anytime. Um, I think this is a fascinating topic. I mean, obviously close to my team and, and I um, and, and what we're trying to do, um, but we're very passionate about helping agencies and helping folks in our communities move around. Um, so, so thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in coming week. You can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate mobility-innovator.com. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.